This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're live. No time to waste. Let's go ahead and get right into it. Wait, wait, wait. We're doing that Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn talk. Nets talk right here on Talking Nets. Brooklyn, we go hard. We go, go hard. Talking Nets. Hosted by Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg, and Hudson Flynn. Yeah, and I don't know about the back. dancing. <laughs> no, doesn't 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 hit the same, does it? You got you got to dance through the pain. You got to laugh through the pain. You got to act like this isn't a complete mess of a team organization. Uh, I feel back. like the old Stone Cold Steve Austin promo to Shawn Michael. I don't dance, son. <laughs> uh, here we go. Uh, yes, sir. Welcome back, episode one seventy two. We just did one seventy one yesterday, but. Uh, Never in uh never a quiet day in the Nets world, never a day that uh there isn't something else to report on. And after watching that game last night, I got nothing for y'all, man. I don't know what to say. Uh the Kings are not supposed to beat the Nets like that. I think there's a lot of Nets fans that dream of some of the uh comebacks and some of the good times that the Nets have had. Um that was pitiful. So last night. The uh, Kings beat the Nets 153 to 121. They led by as much as 39. The Nets got their doors blown off. We'll start with the game first because there's obviously way more to cover and to get into. Go ahead, Hudson. I mean, I didn't know we were going to be in the Terrence Davis t- Davis game. The Terrence, Terrence Davis, Davis, Davis zone. 31 off the bench. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what what Kool Aid Terrence Davis was drinking before that game. I, that was that was ridiculous. I can't even that stretch to start the second half. You can't even begin to comprehend what was going on with the Nets. It part of me wants to treat it as one of those games where like you're like ah I guess it's a wash. Don't want to have too many takeaways from it. But but man, I mean there were some some glaring weaknesses we saw, and just like we talked about yesterday, Demotus Sabonis. Dominus Sabonis, I can never pronounce his name. He did exactly what we said he was going to do, but in a different way. He embarrassed the Nets. Uh, he made Claxton look like it was he was a rookie again. And he did it in ways that I wasn't expecting. I didn't expect Sabonis to be able to dominate Claxton in the post with the way Clax had been playing. If now it feels like 100 years ago that we were talking about, you know, resurgent Claxton. Clax uh, is back, new, new era, new Claxton. But uh, that, that certainly ended last night with that performance. Yeah, the reason I'm pissed about it more than anything else is I knew Sabonis was going to crush him, so I took the over on his points prop. But the Kings beat the Nets so bad that he didn't play after he checked out in the third quarter. So um, he he didn't even go over his point total because he wasn't in the game. He was stuck at 17. Look, uh, here's the thing. Going into the road trip, I would have signed up for two and two, and that's still possible. You know, in these two games, I would have signed up for one and one. 
and that's still possible. So I don't want to overreact to one game itself because the points don't carry over. You know, the next opponent doesn't start with the margin of victory from this game. However, however, with that said, you cannot ignore um, how many times the, the Nets have come out flat or, or just had, had it handed to them in a game. You know, interior strength is clearly a weakness of this, this team. Um, on the court, Joe Harris doesn't look like an NBA player. I mean, that's a, that's a big issue, too, when you have Joe Harris looking like he, you know, he belongs with the Shanghai Sharks. So you've got Joe Harris making $18 million and not playing well. You've got Kyrie Irving, who I, I know we'll speak about less than normal today, hopefully, but making whatever he's making and not playing. Ben Simmons making, I know we're getting to him, like damn near $40 million and not playing. That is a big blow. And then there's just everything else that is constantly going on. It feels like they've already played three seasons, and we're like three weeks in. <laughs> Haven't even got to Thanksgiving yet. Like, this is the biggest dumpster fire mess. It, it just is what it is. There's, I don't know what's going to happen next. Literally, that's, that's just what I'm waiting for. What's the next thing? What's the next scandal? What's the next headline? Um, so, I mean, to put a bow on this one, that's a disgrace. That's a record 153 points. Uh, we made the Sacramento Kings look like I've never seen them look before last night. The game wasn't over right away, but you could just tell the energy wasn't there. Uh, good for Mike Brown as the head coach of the Kings. I don't know what to say about it, man. Like uh, there was a point where I'm watching the game and I'm like, the Kings aren't bad. They're better than people are giving them credit for, but the Nets are playing all time bad. And, uh, there are some fans that feel like, these guys just know that they don't have it. There's some fans that feel like the team is ready for Kyrie to come back. It has now been seven games without Kyrie. And, uh, you know, when you hear quotes from the head coach like this, it makes you think. So Jacques Vaughn last night says, I don't know if our minds, our bodies, and souls are still in L.A. L.A. will do that to you sometimes. We definitely gave max effort against the Clippers, and we've been reeling since. Coach, what are you trying to get at? I don't, I don't know. Yesterday I said no more parties in L.A. I love L.A. Everybody that lives in L.A. loves L.A. But you got business to handle. There's a season right now, and the excuse can't be that we had too much fun in L.A., and we won the first game, and then we got smoked by the Lakers, smoked by the Kings. You have the Trailblazers coming up, sir. You got to figure something else out. You're now the new head coach, right? Uh, you're not an interim head coach anymore. You're the guy. I feel like that was an honest answer, and I don't necessarily mind the answer, but it isn't really great amongst all of the other things that came out. So there were three articles that hit today. There was a... Uh, Chris Haynes article on Bleacher Report, and uh, there was also a Shams article, which Markeith Morris came out to say was all cap, fake article. And then there also was an article from Mark J. Spears. So I guess Sacramento is a place that you can get uh, quotes from KD after a game like that. You would think right after you get smoked like that, you probably don't want to say too much, but KD said a lot. KD said a ton. So let's start with uh, the Marcus Spears interview slash article. Uh, let me see. I have a couple things from there. You know, KD's talking about, uh, you know, he asked him, you still have some stuff you love other than basketball, right? Not during the season. I don't go out. 
I don't go hang out. I just hang out with my teammates if we go out. But I just love what I'm doing. Play a video game, go home, go to practice, play games. In this article, KD basically makes it seem like I don't I don't do anything but hoop. Um, he also talked about being in Brooklyn. And this is something that I think is important to note on here. What can you still get out of Brooklyn and New York City? You're in the biggest media market in the world. Have you squeezed that as much as you can? I assume that had to be part of the reason why you went there. Katie said, no, there's a lot of stuff I could have done in New York that I didn't want to because I wanted to establish us as a basketball team first. And I like New York because of the energy around the game. People enjoy the game in its purest form. You make a good move in Barclays Center, you're going to hear it regardless of who did it, the opposing team or a home team. So I felt that's where the game started. That's where the soul and the spirit of the game kind of grew is in New York. So I feel like every time I go to Barclays, so that's really why I went out there. He, he feels that when he plays in Brooklyn. And it's obviously a good place to live, a media market, and me being a star in the league, I knew how much my presence there could help me do stuff off the court. But that was going to come regardless of where I'm at. But the energy around basketball in New York City, the Brooklyn era specifically, they've been rallying around who I am as a player. They have been rallying around our team regardless of what we've got going on, and they appreciate what I bring. So that's a major part of it. And I'll pass it to you guys, but for me, uh, reading this art article from KD, you know, he, he talks about why he requested a trade. He also mentions, like, he didn't like how practices were being run. He didn't like what they were doing to get better, what they were working on. I feel like he was so transparent in this article, but it hurt to see him talk about being in Brooklyn like that and also to have to have a player of his caliber that does not go to the club, does not go out to party, and literally says, I just I care about basketball. I go hoop. I'm like, man, I wish this organization did better and built a better team around him these last couple years. Uh, cause he signed for the next few years, but all signs point to having to blow it up, having to trade KD. And this is the exact kind of athlete you want to lead your franchise. But uh, some of the things he said in the Bleacher Report article, they're not great. So what are you guys thinking about the uh, Mark Spears article after the game yesterday? Hudson? Yeah, this was the first one of the articles that I read. Um, and I left this one actually with a better taste in my mouth than I was expecting. Katie is an obviously a very, uh, I don't know if many people would describe him as very media friendly, aside from a talking about him, not necessarily a talking to him perspective. Um, so I was I was interested in what I was going to see. And this this felt good. This felt like, uh, you know, a reaffirmation of the fact that he still has more things to do in New York. He's really just interested in basketball. You know, that's what's going on. And that's kind of what I want out of a player. Right. They, they love the city that they play in. They love the fact that the crowd is always in it. It's always good to, to reaffirm the narrative that the Nets do, in fact, have fans. And there's a lot of them. And they're always going to be in the Barclays Center. Um, and. Coming out of it, I was I was uh, I was in a, I was in a better place I think than uh, than I finished and and this was kind of exactly what I what I wanted to hear after watching that terrible game last night. I've appreciated Durant's perspective for much of the season, right? Um, but there's a lot of blame to go around for the the situation that the the Nets currently find themselves in, and we we've spent a lot of time talking about the players. Let's point the finger at the organization for a minute, right? They've cycled through CEOs. Every time I see a new CEO you know, come in, a guy get fired, a new one come in. I had a little alarm bell go off. Like what's going on with ownership. Right. And, and do you hear any other owner being talked about as much as Joe Sy is being talked about right now? He's kind of usurped James Dolan 
as the the most talked about owner in, in the NBA. You know, in, in the not only just the the city, but but across the the landscape of the league. Sean Marks, you know, Steve Nash is gone, and, and Sean Marks deserves the credit he got for building this team with no assets. But at some point, you know, the, the flaws cannot continue to persist. And you cannot continue to find yourself in these situations that, that make you look bad and are embarrassing. Embarrassing. You know, and, and now you got whatever's going on with Kyrie. Harden is gone. So big three is down to a big one at this point. The big one requested a trade. You know, so the, the Nets have to look themselves in a mirror as an organization. They have to be more definitive in their choices. You know, the, this Kyrie situation is still lingering. And that doesn't mean I still don't have smoke for Kyrie because in some ways I feel like Kyrie ruined three seasons in a row. You know, and, and the, the other one before that, he, he wanted the bubble canceled. He wasn't even there. Yeah, so he's we're a big not, part of it. He's a big part of, of the negative of the – I said he's a cancer. It is what it is. And uh, not to cut you off, Robin, but I understand the defense of Kyrie as a basketball player – but if you think about every season that we've seen Kyrie as a net, everything that the Celtics fan base told you, the Cavs fan base told you, the Nets got it too. Yeah, and, and then you get to Kevin Durant, and that's the decision the organization's going to find itself in because KD did intimate, at least, that he's okay uh, you know, roughing it out, not running from the grind, being the bus driver, whatever you want to call it. And, and I'm sure we're going to get to his other comments in a, in a second. I don't want to jump ahead unless you have them ready. But the, um, the, the witching hour is upon us as far as whether they are going to blow it up or they're going to try and retool around Kevin Durant or, or bring Kyrie back, whatever they decide to do there. I, I think the Kyrie situation is having an impact now because you've got players saying what's going on, right? Like, so that there, there is that specter of that. And then there, there's the idea of, all right, are, are you going to move some assets still to, to try and replenish or, or build around KD and go? Or are you going to say, all right, thanks for your service, uh, Durant, but we're, we're going to move you because you're our last piece left. So let's uh, move on to the Bleacher Report article by Chris Haynes, who's well-connected, well-respected in NBA circles. And uh, uh, here's this part, you know, where uh, Ky not Kyrie, KD talks about his legacy. He says all that extra shit like – you got to win before you retire and make sure your legacy is straight. That's bullshit to me. My legacy is predicated on what Cam Thomas is learning from me and what he'll take away to help him by the time he's in his 10th year. That's my legacy. What I did with Andre Robertson, the confidence I helped him build when he was in the league, that's my legacy. Being able to play with Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, and Kyrie and still be me, yeah, that's my legacy. That's who I am. That's what I bring to the game. I can play with anybody, anywhere, at any time, and you know I'm going to bring it every day. That should be my legacy. Now, um, you know, there was also some comments in there about being a leader, and I, I just think it's tough, and I want to say this before we show the main quote that got everybody's attention today. Um, I'm sure I'm going to have to talk about it on WFAN tonight. Uh, you know, BT and Tiki were talking about it, and you know, Knicks fans and Nets haters are going to just take that little piece of the article and not read the entire, entire article to get complete context. And they also don't understand KD as a basketball savant, right? As a basketball fan, not just a hooper, not just KD. So KD comes out and says the legacy stuff, but this is the quote that everyone ran with where he says, look at our starting lineup, Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and me. 
It's not disrespect. But what are you expecting from that group? Durant asked the Bleacher Report. You expect us to win because I'm out there? So if you're watching from that lens, you're expecting us to play well because number seven is out there. I'm going to pass it to you guys, but I'll say this. That is not the best quote coming from the leader of the team and a guy that gets criticized for not being a leader, a guy that gets criticized for being miserable. He came out and said his life is great. He makes a lot of money. He, he gets to buy cool shit. Uh, life is great. He's not miserable. He's doing what he wants to do. But then when you come out and you list your starting five of guys, he's not wrong, right? Edmund Sumner, Edmund Sumner is coming back from an Achilles injury, did not play last year. Royce O'Neal is an NBA player, but he he's not he's not a, a top caliber NBA player that like you know people covet. He he's on the Nets, and I'm coveting him on the Nets because we don't have anyone else, but he's not a top flight guy. Joe Harris, you already heard Robin say he doesn't even look like an NBA player anymore. What is Joe Harris at this point? He's not Joey Buckets anymore. He'll give you a little flash of that, but he's not consistent enough for a guy that has a $75 million contract. Nick Claxton has made strides, yes, but strides aren't good enough when you're Kevin Durant, which he he lastly said himself, strides aren't good enough when you're Kevin Durant and you know that if this team sucks or that this team struggles, everyone's going to put it on you. So I understand KD, uh, you know, being bluntly honest about the starting five. We know that that's not... Even I don't even know if some people are saying he's alluding to the fact that, hey, Kyrie should be in this starting lineup. I don't know if that's the case, but we know that that is not a starting five that measures up with the upper echelon in the NBA. That's not a starting five that we think is going to be able to even compete in the East. So I'm not so much mad at KD for coming out and saying that. I just don't think that's the best way to lead right now when your team is struggling. You just got smoked. Those other guys that look up to KD, those other guys that have pride and care about their careers and their own legacies got to feel some type of way about that. I don't know how that's going to affect team chemistry going forward. Hudson, what are your thoughts about the starting five quote that everyone has ran with? Uh, I thought that quote sucked. Um, Honestly, KD is a, a veteran member of the NBA media environment. You don't go into an interview and say something like that and not think that it is going to be the headline, that it is going to be publicized, that it is going to be the thing that everybody talks about. Keith's going to go on the radio, talk about it tonight. It's already being you know, circulated. So we're going to have to take I'm going to take that for granted, that he knew that that was going to be circulated. Now, he's in the locker room. We're not. Right. And I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and saying that, you know, He's a leader. Maybe that's the kind of thing that he knows his guys will respond to. He knows that Joey's going to shoot better, that Clax is going to, you know, play with a little bit more dog in him, you know, all that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, and on the hand that feels realistic, is it feels a little bit like piling on. You know, that's a bad loss that the Nets took yesterday. It's a bad loss that they took against the Lakers. The Nets have had a bad season. All of the noise around the Nets has been horrendous. And I worry personally that that would be seen as being piling on and might only sow division. Maybe it goes the other way. I hope it does, but it, it, it feels like the kind of thing that is, is, is just going to cause more problems, make the nets even more of a media circus. And right now, uh, you know, I have some envy for the days of LeBron going dark for the playoffs 
of locking in and saying basketball only. KD, if you are so committed to basketball, if you're so committed to only thinking about basketball, only going out if you're going out with your teammates, why not keep it in-house? Why not take a little bit of the heat off the nets when there's just so much heat on it? You know, I, I understand the sentiment. I understand what he's feeling. But right now just doesn't feel like the time where that's the kind of thing that's going to be beneficial in the locker room for the team and certainly not for the organization, an organization that at this point is, you know, withering under just an increasing number of too many bright lights. You know, uh, Katie, as I've said before, is way too online to pretend to be naive about how the game works and that the fact that one part isn't going to be blown up and put out there. And he ain't have to name names. You know, if he had said, if he had said, you all think we have a chance to win every time because I'm out there, I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. But when you start, I mean, it is disrespect to basically go, yeah, I'm out there with these scrubs. And if you look at the, the rest of that quote, too, or when uh, he goes back to the trade request, he says at one point, you know who it's going to fall on. That's why I requested a trade. So to me, this is him saying, oh, this ain't me. You know, none of this has anything to do with me. But Hudson invoked LeBron James. And, and you know, I'll, I'll first mention a former teammate of Katie. Steph Curry would never say nothing like that. And then, two, LeBron James in his prime. Remember when KD said any type of team LeBron is on is toxic because the environment around him and the attention and the noise around him? Well, guess what, dude? You're the bus driver of toxicity right now. You know, this is the, this is the, the bus headed straight for Toxic City, you know, um, with the Britney Spears song playing in the background every damn day, every damn day. And he, he's, in, he's in charge of that. You know, that falls on him. And if the NBA is different now than it was, I think it is harder for one individual to elevate a team because of the three-point shot, because how spread the floor is. But LeBron, in his prime, you could put these guys around him, and we'd be talking about them as contenders to go to the NBA Finals. And y'all know that's real. So, KD, you want to be on that level? You know, that's that's the level that he set. That's the bar that he set. And, you are you know, KD's a top 15 player of all time. I'm not saying that, you know, to take credit away from him or, or any of that. But when you are expected to be the leader – and you are expected and putting yourself on the level of those other all-time greats. Sorry, that's the territory that comes with that. And, and those sort of comments are weak. They just are. Okay, so here is the quote from the article. And uh, he says, I wasn't feeling that and nobody was on the same vibe with me. Jacques Vaughn is. I had some complaints in the summer and my complaints were not just me. Or were not about just me it was about how we were moving as a unit i want us to be respected out here in the basketball world i don't want players to look at us and say oh man these are full of shit uh i'm not exactly sure whatever uh <laughs> i'm not exactly sure what the expletive was but it doesn't matter he goes on to say that's not the type of team i want to be on so when we're all playing like shit you know the one person they're gonna look at and that's why i requested a trade like he's basically saying you I requested a trade this summer. I didn't like how we were practicing. I didn't like how we were preparing. Uh, I didn't really like the roster that much. He probably liked the roster enough. And honestly, there were points in this summer where I was like, this roster might be a better roster than he's had the last couple years. But early on in the season, a couple injuries and many guys not playing up to their potential. And then obviously a suspension of Kyrie is uh, why the team is playing like this. So now let's move on to um, the article that Shams put out today. 
And Markeith Morris immediately said, nah, that that wasn't uh that wasn't fact. Let's see. So Shams put out this article today um about Ben Simmons and the frustration that uh the team has had and how they had like a team only meeting. And Markeith came out and said, Who's the source? Y'all gotta chill with these fake stories, man. Let me and my guys hoop. So the athletic wrote in a players only meeting on October 29th. Marquise Morris spoke up about how the Nets need Ben Simmons to succeed and that he has to respond. And I'm thinking back, didn't Marquise Morris leave around that time? Didn't he step out right before that? I don't know if it was the exact date, but whatever. Uh, Shams been an op. If you've, if you've listened to me on Talking Nets or Twitter, I, I told you Shams is not for the Nets. He is not. <laughs> he's not trying to see the Nets succeed. But uh, in this you know fake article, um, I don't know how fake it is. It's coming from somewhere, right? Shams is always associated with the players. So sources all describe a meeting where Ben Simmons appeared to take Marquise's words in stride and was responsive and attentive throughout. But Marquise already came out and threw, threw water on that one. So uh, the Nets coaching staff and players have been concerned about his availability with some questioning his desire to step on the court at all, sources said. And here's a, a last... Uh, this isn't from the article, but Nets Daily put out from the Stein line. Updating my buddy Nate Duncan's recent tweet on the matter. This is before the game yesterday. He says, Brooklyn, Brooklyn's Ben Simmons has totaled a mere 23 drives to the basket in nine games. According to Second Spectrum, Simmons averaged 11.9 drives per game for Philadelphia during the 2019-2020 season. So that is kind of alarming, but we all know Ben is trying to work back to being whatever he is. He's a shell of himself, but I will say that was his best game last night. I know it was a blowout, but that was Ben Simmons' best game. Hudson? I, yeah, I, I'm just going to say, I, I think that just feels like Marky Moore is playing the game, right? Uh, I, I think that, you know, it's well within his right to say that, you know, where are the sources on that, whatever. Uh, I believe that that happened, and I believe that it's a good way to say face to say that it didn't. Uh, if I'm completely honest, I think that there should be lots of players only meetings where people are being held accountable. I think Ben Simmons, if we are giving an honest assessment of where he's at, he is not anywhere near the level where it would even really make sense to compare him to the player he was a couple of years ago. There's, there's, there, there's almost no logic in that saying that he averaged 11.9 drives a game in the 2019, 2020 season, because He's just such a different player. He's so deep in the throes of of getting back. I think he's getting better. He's playing on his own timeline. But at the end of the day, I, I want there to be more of those conversations where people are being held accountable because at least it feels like there is some level of accountability within the team, right? There may not be within the organization. Things may be confusing there, but I, I don't want those types of problems to bog the team down to a level that you know they're not able to engage in like critical discussion with each other. You know, I, I can get why someone would be frustrated with Ben Simmons, and I also feel for Ben Simmons at the same time. You know, it's a tough injury to come back from. Back injury, nerve injury. Obviously, he's got a, a little mental stuff going on. And last night was probably the cl best he looked physically, at least. Like, from a standpoint where you go, oh, okay, he can move. You know, he can, he, he can accelerate. He's got a little bounce, a little pep to his step. But the, the problem that Ben Simmons is facing is the expectations that this team had and how he arrived here. I mean, James Harden was essentially traded for Ben Simmons. 
And then the, the expectation was that Ben Simmons was going to help this team immediately. And then when that didn't happen, the expectation was after the offseason, Ben Simmons was going to come back and be the all-star Ben Simmons. And he just hasn't been. And when you're an, another teammate out there, when you are Kevin Durant out there and, and you got guys swarming you and you got a self-check on the floor, that's going to be frustrating. That's just basketball, right? Like that's just a basketball thing. A- at the same time, it's not quite fair to Ben Simmons if we're if you're being realistic about it from from a human element standpoint to expect him to be uh 100% of what he once was. So the timing of it was strange. That's what I I cuz it you know it, it wasn't the time to make him the the scapegoat. It just felt odd. And and then that that leads you to like play detective, you know, who we know who Shams has been talking to a lot, one player on the Nets who isn't on the court. But I I don't know where it it came from or why it came at that time, it, it just felt like a little unnecessary, you know, given the, the timing, because if Ben is going to get back, you know, this isn't the type of stuff that's going to help him, I don't think. Yeah, supposedly Kyrie has been keeping in touch with his teammates in a group chat. <laughs> I guess he's talking to his teammates more than Joe Sy. He's not responding to Joe Sy's text. <laughs> oh, man, this whole thing is a mess, yo. I'll say this about Ben Simmons, and I made this, uh, you know, big on the screen. Uh, Jeremiah said in the chat, he said, we literally cherry pick every positive thing Simmons does. He gets paid $120 million. Well, yeah, we're looking for any positive from this guy. We know uh, that he's getting paid a lot of money, and I-, I blame the Nets. I blame the Nets organization. I was showing up to Barclays Center last year, and that stupid ne- Nets level promo they did with the Power Ranger stuff. They had Ben Simmons in that promo. They advertised it like Ben Simmons was going to join the Nets in the playoffs. Could you imagine if he actually stepped out there against the Celtics last year and just looked like this? He wouldn't have looked like this last year. So I blame the Nets. The Nets didn't have to make this trade. The Nets didn't have to take him on. And as soon as I heard word of it, I said, no, no, no. Make Harden, make Harden get over it. Make Harden, you know, deal with it. Like, you already made one trade, and I've said this on here. You made one trade and got rid of some of our favorite young players. We can't get them back. Now you're going to trade Harden and bring in a headache like Ben Simmons? It has been a headache. It has been a headache. It hasn't been positive, and I don't expect it to get positive. I don't expect January, February, Ben Simmons to be putting up a 25-point triple-double. I literally have seen that man put up a 30-point triple-double in Barclays Center on Martin Luther King Day like three seasons ago. Shout-out to Mr. Burn Notice. We watched six rows behind the basket. He bullied Jared Allen, and he had his way. Where is that guy? I don't know where that guy is, and I don't think the Nets are going to get that. So the Nets were willing to take on damaged goods. Uh, They got finessed, and now you hear rumors of, oh, Philadelphia is checking in on Kevin Durant. They're asking about Kevin Durant. Nah, there's no trade to make with Philadelphia. They sending Embiid. There's no trade to make with Philadelphia. I, I might take Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> That's who we wanted in Tyrese, the Ben Tyrese deal. Tyrese Maxey and uh, two first round picks. I, I think I do that. <laughs> That's who I wanted in the Ben deal. I'm like, do not send him over here without Tyrese Maxey. Remember they were talking about uh, Danny Green and uh, Tobias Harris and somebody else. We ended up with Drummond. He's gone. We ended up with Seth Curry. He's here, but Seth is. You know, he's I – don't, I don't even know the word for it. He's hurt. Sometimes you get good, Seth, but it's not consistent enough. I don't know, man. I just think at this point in the season, they need to get to some resolutions, and uh, that's how we'll wrap up this pod. 
The Kyrie thing, there needs to be a resolution. How much longer are you going to let this team, you know, I think there's something for sure going on with the team. I think these guys want Kyrie back. Think about it. If you're a competitor and you're missing one of the best players in the NBA, and it's been now like three weeks since he posted that thing and all this nonsense, man, they, they want him back. They definitely want him back. And I think it has affected the team because they're playing for an organization where Kyrie is on the outside, but he's texting the group chat and he can't get back in. There's also the Ben Simmons thing, obviously hanging over their heads. Ben Simmons is not himself. Then you've got KD now, his comments. I don't know. I'm not even mad at KD because KD was right. He was right when he called for Steve Nash to be fired. He was right when he called for Sean Marks to be fired. He had the forward vision to know that they were cooked this year after getting swept in the first round last year. And he said that that's part of being in the league. Nah, you're supposed to be one of the greats, bro. That's not part of your legacy getting swept out of, uh, you know, the first round as a seventh seed, but now it is. This whole thing is dysfunction and they need to get resolutions. Figure out the Kyrie thing now, this week. Uh, ben Simmons, it is what it is. Whether he's coming off the bench, whatever he can do, you, you're stuck with him. You signed up for it. KD is going to hoop. KD didn't get his 31 points that he's averaging, but he's on the precipice of history, uh, one of all-time leading scorers. He's going to go out there and play. But this team is not going to be able to compete, and I don't know exactly what their plan is or what they're trying to do this season if they don't start making moves and making decisions fast. Yeah, and if they don't make these decisions, the Nets are going to be left in the worst possible uh, area of NBA basketball, which is mediocrity. There is no there is no benefit to mediocrity really in the NBA. If we continue to, you know, hover around slightly below five hundred, where where is the benefit in that? We spend a year of Kevin Durant. We continue paying Kyrie, or we don't. We don't know. And not only is that bad from a basketballing standpoint, it's bad from a fan standpoint. And like we've talked about all throughout all of this drama. Brooklyn fans are going to the Barclays Center. They are going to see the Nets no matter what is happening, whether there's Kyrie drama, whether the team isn't very good, no matter what. There are Nets fans that are in the stadium. And I think it's it's weird to talk about things like organizational legacy, but if we keep fumbling, and it seems to be that we're going to, as an organization, as Joe Sy, as Sean Marks, how do you come back from that, right? How do you to put in all of this work where things are going to be good. We have this promise of championships, of parades down Atlantic Ave, just to fumble it away in the most, not even exciting way, just a boring way, just a melancholy way, watching it all wither away and die without any type of a resolution. So there better be a resolution soon. And it don't, doesn't seem like it's going to be a positive one. And I think that's just a shame. I think it's just a shame because the Nets grew themselves so much through all of this. They grew the love of basketball for the Nets in Brooklyn and around the world. And it feels like we're, you know, just dying a slow heat death right now. And that's just so not fun. At least if there was some sort of blow up, there would be some drama to talk about. But now we just have nothing. Yeah, I mean, a resolution, I agree with, with that. I mean, we got to go back to the Aaliyah song. We, we need a resolution. Like that, that is definitely necessary. Kyrie situation, everything. Whether it, you know, and I, I think even the uncertainty can, whether the, some people want him back, don't want him back, whoever thinks that, like, you, you just need to know what the circumstances are. But in, in the big picture standpoint, I, I think we all are still hypnotized by the idea of what could have been. 
And I just don't believe that that idea exists anymore. And therefore, continuing to go back to what has sort of become a toxic or abusive relationship just doesn't behoove anyone. It's a tough pill to swallow, but they have to move forward in a different direction. Where's that, where's that sage that Kyrie gets? I, I think we, we need we all need some of that. To Plenty spread. of places to buy it in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we need the sage because this this whole thing, it, it needs to be fumigated. This era needs to be put to bed. And, and, and Yeah. And, and we'll, the whole thing out. I, I, we'll I feel know. better about it. I mean, and, and like, I'm not even saying that has to mean trading Kevin Durant because that's the hardest part of all of it. Um, but he has to be willing to accept the version of what it becomes if it's going to be him and the merry band of men, uh, merry band of men that are thrown around him. And if it is uh, trading him as well, then so be it. But it, just continuing to double down on what hasn't worked it isn't going to work. And, you know, it sucks because KD says, I committed here. He is signed to play this season and the next three seasons here. I blame the organization. They fumbled the rock multiple times in this time. Uh, I blame Kyrie. He's part of it, too. He's part of the organization. And uh, he's definitely been selfish in his decisions. They haven't been team decisions. They've been me first decisions. And here's another one. And I do believe if he comes back and they do let him play, it's a fool me once, fool me twice. Fool, he's going to do something else that distracts his team and uh, creates another headache. So, I don't know. I feel bad for the fans like me, like Hudson, like Robin, like the people in the chat. Cook Carter, my man who's at the games. I'm going to less games. It's toxic. I'm not getting on the train and riding all the way over there for them to take L's and for them to be embarrassing. You know, Mr. Whammy doesn't deserve this. The Brooklyn Brigade doesn't deserve this. We're there supporting. That place is sold out. And all we've wanted was a team that could make a run to a championship. We went the superstar route and we sold our soul. And now it's just been, ha, 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 let's laugh at Nets fans. The Nets suck. Look at this. 153 points on their head. And then KD comes out the next day to say, look at my starting five. Can't win with these bums. We'll blow the whole thing up. <laughs> he gave his starting five what he gave to the little Knicks fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, blow the whole thing up. But at least we beat the Knicks. That's the only thing we can stand on this season. As bad as the Nets are, right, the Knicks still can't beat them. There's eight in a row against the Knicks. So whatever you got to hang your hat on, that's all we've got. But we needed to come and speak on that uh, article, the two articles, Ben Simmons, and then the two articles with KD. I think KD is just at the point where he's like, <laughs> I got to be brutally honest, and maybe something will change. I got to be transparent. And I also have to be this way so people don't think I'm miserable throughout all of this. He He's saying he's enjoying life, but, you know, the other things he doesn't control. So, Josiah, figure it out. Uh, there's definitely a lot of people that are, you know, now as this thing has snowballed a bit, there's a lot of people now uh, taking Kyrie's side. They're calling Josiah Joe Genocide on Twitter. That's crazy, but understandable. You, we talked about Jalen Brown's comments. Uh, I just think, you know, Everyone's got some work to do in the Nets organization and they got to figure it out sooner rather than later. There is no time to keep like going through the motion. There is no more time to keep Kyrie out, make a decision on him. Is he in? Is he out? Are you releasing him? Are you trading him? What? Um, it's another wasted year, KD. And it's a, uh, it's year 10. It's year 10 being in Brooklyn and it is a complete disaster and laughing stock in the league and in this city. So uh, we'll keep talking about it. Talking Nets episode 172. That's all we've got. Thanks for pulling up in the YouTube chat. Thanks for listening and subscribing. Uh, the numbers are doing all right out there. Honestly, I logged in today and I'm like, okay, there's some people out here that are listening to Talking Nets. I'm glad we did bring the show back. I'm glad I brought 
Hudson back. I'm glad I brought Robin in. You get different thoughts and opinions and takes on everything. And uh, as much drama as this team brings, we'll keep bringing episodes to cover it and talk all around it. So we'll be all right, Nets fans. I mean, it, it could get worse, but we'll be all right. You got to hope that some good comes out of this, whether they end up making trades, making some moves, whether Kyrie comes back or doesn't come back. You just got to hope for better days. This is trash right now, but we're Nets fans. We're used to this shit, honestly. <laughs> we are used to it. We've seen a lot of disasters in the last 10 years and even before that in Jersey. So uh, once again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the pod. And that's all we got. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Talking Nets is back. And uh, we'll be back with another episode after the next game or two. Thanks for watching.